0: Lord, thanks for this opportunity to think carefully about how to memorize your words. We just heard about how important your words are, how life-giving they are. Help us think rightly about how to internalize them in our mind and heart. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, just uh, before we got started, I talked to, uh, is it Keith? Keith Davey? he said he's been memorizing for like 80 years. <laughs> like, what am I doing up here? <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm only 38. I'm, I have nothing on Keith. Uh, so, Keith, if you want to stop me at any point and correct me, please just raise your hand. You got you have the mic. Uh, so, I'll share what I can. I'll share, you, I'll share first the kind of memory I've, I've done so far, memory work. Have you heard of Iwana? Do you guys have a wana here? You still do? That, that still exists? Okay. Uh, so when I was a kid, I did like the Cubbies and the Sparkies and whatever it's all called. So lots of those verses, and it was in the King James Version. It was actually at a Southern Baptist church in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, which is somewhere near here. Uh, and that was great, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And then in high school, I was part of a church that did something called Bible quizzing. Have you heard of this? Do they have that here? So that's still a thing. I, I tell people now in my circles, are like, what? It's like, no, it's, it's like a competitive sport where you have these electronic pads and you got to like, sit up. So you guys are, some of you are nodding, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I did uh, that for the books of Romans and Hebrews and Galatians and Philippians and I forget what else in high school. So that was, that was good, but that was more of like a, like a competitive thing. And then as I went to college and seminary and, and, and such, um, I knew Bible memory was important, but I didn't prioritize it until maybe the last five years, seven years or so. And in the last, uh, I think six years, what I've done is I've, I've memorized books of the Bible. And I'll talk a little bit more about that today. So I started by memorizing the book of 1 Corinthians, which takes about an hour to recite, so that I would recite it on Sunday mornings as the sermon. So I, just, I would just say the book uh, to churches. I did that for a while. And then I did the same thing for the book of Romans, which is also about an hour. And then I just uh, recently finished memorizing Second Corinthians. My goal is to do all 13 of Paul's letters and then move on to to other other books. And I've, I've just found that to be a delight. I don't want you to go, oh, I feel so guilty. Well, I, I've watched like Netflix. Now, I'm not here to make you feel uh, guilty that you didn't do what I did. Uh, but I, I do want to encourage you and motivate you to to do more and, and, and to do better here. So I hope this is encouraging to you as we, as we talk. So here's the, the framework I'll approach as we talk about this. And you can raise your hand at any point, to ask a question or make a comment, that's fine. Uh, what I'll do is share three excuses people give for not memorizing the Bible, and then I'll just dismantle them uh, one by one. And then I'll end by just recommending some ways you could get going and get started on this, okay? So three excuses. Here's excuse number one, and it's this. I don't have time to memorize the Bible. Have you ever thought that? You know it's important, but you just think, I don't have time. I am so busy. There's so many other things uh, to do, and I just, oh, it would be nice if I had time, but I don't. So here, I'm a... I like to, to study productivity and read books on productivity and I probably give too much time to thinking about productivity and not actually being productive. Uh, but there's a real common quadrant in productivity literature. So if you can imagine, if I had a, a whiteboard, I'd, I'd just draw it on there. So imagine you've got four quadrants and then you've got uh, at the top, the first column is urgent and the second column is not urgent and then you've got two rows. And the first row is important, and the second row is not important. You with me so far? All right. So let's look at the four quadrants. Quadrant one would be it's important and it's urgent. So these are things like an immediate and important deadline. Like you've got to pay a bill today. You've got to uh, respond to this email today. Maybe it's a work-related. Your boss asks you to do this today. It's important and it's urgent. And then the next quadrant over is important, but not urgent, important, but not urgent. So these are like long-term strategies and development, things that you really value, but there's no urgency to them at the moment. So now to the second row, quadrant three, you've got not important, but urgent. So these are like time pressure distractions. Like, I hate these. Your, a text message that just keeps going off. Uh, I, I disable all those notifications. I hate them because it's, they're usually just like someone saying, give me your attention right now about something not important. Uh, so my friends all know, don't text me unless you need my attention at that moment. If, just email otherwise. don't. So things like that. I, I probably wouldn't make a, a good password for some people because texting is their language. But things, things like that, a telephone uh, you know, it's ringing. I need to get that right now. Well, maybe, maybe not. That it's not necessarily important, but it, it seems urgent at the moment. And then the fourth quadrant, you got not important and not urgent. So this is what you might do when you're taking a break from urgent and important activities. So uh, leisure, various kinds of leisure might fit there. And if you're typical You want to spend more time in that second quadrant, important and not urgent, but you actually spend most of your time in quadrants one and three that's important and urgent and not important and urgent. So basically what's urgent is dictating what you do. That's pretty common. And when you feel pressured to complete urgent tasks, that might tempt you to just give up and then unwind in quadrant four, not important, not urgent. And that's where you might further away time by consuming what's called social media candy. You know, you just kind of scroll through whatever your social media favorite platforms are, and it's oh, look, another cat video, a dog video, uh, oh, this this guy would walk a tightrope over flames. This guy, you just, it's you know, interesting stuff, but it's it's kind of wasting time. Um, a feel-good story, breaking news. That's the funny thing. Some people think everything is breaking news. And news outlets are just to want your attention right now. The most important thing in the world is happening right now. Come look. Uh, so that could that can pull your attention away, and that's why productivity gurus emphasize you should do important things first. So one guy who did this, his name was Stephen Covey. He's not alive anymore. Uh, he used to do these, these talks where he'd have uh, a table with a, a cylinder that was clear glass, and then you have all these objects on the table, big rocks, medium-sized rocks, little rocks, pebbles, sand, etc., and he would ask volunteer to come up and see if they can put all that stuff into the cylinder. And usually what happened is they would do it in the wrong order and it would never all fit. They'd put the sand in first or the little rocks in first. The only way it could possibly fit is if you put in the big rocks first, and then the medium-sized rocks, and then the small rocks, and then the little pebbles, and then the sand, and then it all fits perfectly. And it just illustrates the principle with your time, if you have only so much time, you want to make sure you put the big rocks in first and not the sand. So what are the big rocks in your life? Are the things that you think are most important? So if you just take an inventory of what is it that you think, I value this most based on on God's word, here's what I need to prioritize, and then what in your life would be more like sand? So I I would argue that big rocks include scripture memory to some degree. It might just be, you know, five minutes a day, but something. I think it's that important. I'll make a case for that in a moment. Uh, So when you say, I don't have time for this, I would just gently push back and say, you have as much time as everyone else does. How are you arranging your life? Uh, What is it in your life that is so urgent and so important that it's pushing out other important things. I'm not trying to sound like a legalist here, and I hope you're not feeling like major false guilt, but I am trying to to exhort you to to take inventory. Uh, Am I prioritizing my life uh, in in a way that most honors God? So I I think memorizing the Bible goes in quadrant two. It's important, but not urgent. And so I'd like to make a case right now uh, for reasons you should memorize the Bible, in, including big chunks of the Bible. Uh, by the way, before I forget, if you, if you struggle with productivity issues you want to grow in that, I would recommend a little book by a guy named Tim Challies. You might know that name. He has a popular blog. It's, his book is called Do More Better, like A Practical Guide to Productivity. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's really practical, really simple. I've read a lot on productivity, and I haven't found something more simple and helpful than that book. Highly recommend it to you. Okay, so let me give you some reasons to memorize the Bible, especially an entire book of the Bible, not just um, a sentence uh, at a time, like a like a verse at a time. So I'm going to give you 14 reasons, and I'll move quickly. And if if you want to, you don't have to write all this down. If you just Google uh, 14 reasons to memorize a book of the Bible, you'll find this somewhere. Uh, it's I'm not plagiarizing. I I wrote it. Okay, so number one reason number one, it renews your mind with God's viewpoint. So memorizing lots of scripture renews your mind with God's viewpoint. Uh, we want a delight to be in the law of the Lord and to meditate on his law day and night. How do you do that if, it's, if the word's not already in there? See, you want his, his words to be transforming your mind. Reason number two, memorizing scripture forces you to meditate on the text phrase by phrase. It's a recipe for illumination. So you probably, probably could relate to this if you're if you're memorizing a, a passage and you don't know what it means, it's it's harder to memorize. When you understand what it means, it's easier to internalize and, and to repeat. So as you memorize, you're forcing yourself, or should be, to ask. What's the logic of, of this passage here? Why does it start with the word therefore or the word for? What are the connections logically in, in its context? What does that word mean? What, what is a, it, just, it forces you to do that and slow down in ways that if you're, like if you've taken the Bible the way I do every morning as an audio Bible, uh, you can fly by passages and miss stuff because you're moving so quickly. Memorizing just forces you to, oh, slow down. Think about every word. That's that's helpful. Third reason, uh, memorizing helps you think about the tone of the text. Have you ever heard a preacher, or, or just a speaker, talk, and their their tone is it's like blah 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 blah. It's just monotone and there's 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 nothing to it. Uh, that's a good way to put someone to sleep. Uh, texts have tones, so as you memorize, you can feel. Is the, is the author feeling sad here? Is excited? Is there a righteous anger here? Uh, you, you get to internalize the tone when you slow down and think carefully about it. That's, that's a third reason. Number four, it helps you trace the argument for a book of the Bible if you're memorizing a whole book of the Bible. Uh, this is why I actually started doing this. I was under contract to write a commentary on First Corinthians, and I thought, you know, before I even start writing that commentary, I wanna memorize that letter so that I've got the whole thing on my hard drive. Not my hard drive, my RAM. Like, it's, it's right there. I wanna, you say a sentence, I wanna just know where it is and how it fits in the argument. Um, and it really helped in the commentary writing. It's done now um, because I had the whole thing there in a snapshot and I knew, I thought I knew at least to some degree where Paul's going with it. And I could think of any one part in light of the whole letter. Really, really helpful when you try to trace the argument of the book of the Bible to know that whole whole letter well. Fifth reason, it helps you see lexical, that's words, and thematic connections within that book of the Bible. So I'll give you an example here. When I, met, when I was memorizing 1 Corinthians, and I remember reading in chapter six where Paul says this, can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. He's, he's basically rebuking them for suing each other, Christians suing Christians. But here's what I didn't catch until I was memorizing the book, is that earlier in the letter, wisdom is a huge theme, huge, it's all over, especially chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's all over. And then he, he basically is sarcastic in rebuking them, saying, is there no one among you wise enough? All right, that, that, that connection, you're not, it's going to be harder to make those kind of connections if you're not really slowly working through the text. So that, that's just one little example. I could, I could give you many more of how you see connections you're probably not going to see otherwise unless you slow down and carefully work through the text. Sixth reason, it helps you see, uh, no, that was six, the sixth reason. No, no, this is the sixth reason. It helps you see lexical and thematic connections within other books of the Bible, Okay, so once you've memorized a book of the Bible, uh, you've locked that in, something special will happen to you when you read other parts of the Bible. So words and phrases from other parts of the Bible will remind you of parallels of places you've already memorized. There's so many connections to make with parts of the Bible, and, and memorizing the Bible really helps you make those connections. Seventh reason, this is one that's a very practical one and one you probably think of as the primary reason, it helps you kill sin. It helps you kill sin. Uh, unfortunately, some people approach Bible memory kind of on a like a doctor prescribing a medicine you go pick up at Walgreens. Like, oh, what are you struggling with? Okay, memorize these verses and then call me in the morning. Uh, it, so I don't want to flatten out scripture memory to be just that, but it includes that. It includes if you have like if you're wrestling with with trusting the promises of God, memorize passages about the nature of God and who He is. You need to tr- be able to trust God. If you're struggling with sexual purity, memorize 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. Man, that is so good. It's, it's, just, it's motivating to fight sexual sin. I can go on and on with, with examples. So, so it is helpful to internalize Scripture with the purpose of killing sin. An eighth reason, it helps you counsel, teach, and preach more accurately. You'll, you're less likely to say something that contradicts the Bible if you've memorized the Bible. It's a check about being inaccurate, against being inaccurate. Number nine, it helps you counsel, teach, and preach more powerfully. So it's, it's interesting how this works. If you've memorized a lot of the Bible, it's, it's in there somehow. It's locked in. You may not be able to access it at any moment like you'd, you'd prefer, but it's in there. And the Holy Spirit can use that at just the right times when you're trying to minister to someone else, whether it's individual or in a counseling room or just informally in a home, or if you're teaching the Bible or preaching the Bible. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can bring to mind just the right words from, from Scripture to minister to someone else. It's powerful. So having that up there is essential so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind for you to use. So that's another good reason to to lock it in there. Tenth reason, it enables you to recite the Bible while looking people in the eye. Have you ever tried that, to recite the Bible to someone else while looking at them in the eyes? It's hard. It's way harder than just being alone and trying to recite. Uh, It's it's extremely hard. Uh, But it is so powerful. I can testify to this. Uh, I've done this dozens and dozens of times now where I've recited a book of the Bible and just looked at people in the eye the whole time. And invariably, people come up afterwards and say, when I found out what you were going to do, I was dreading this. I thought it was going to be like the most boring sermon I'd ever hear. And you're like, that was amazing. It's like Paul was talking to me. And that's what it should feel like. It, it, it helps you internalize. A human wrote this to other humans. And if it's a, a New Testament letter, a human wrote this to other humans to be read in a church, and it helps you think about the Bible in, in ways you might not think if you're just reading it in an isolated way. So the, the, the eyeball to eyeball uh, is, is, is powerful. Eleven, it helps you refute error. A friend of mine says it will fine-tune your hooey gauge, basically uh, it's, an elder needs to be able to hold firm to sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. That's a good thing for all Christians to be able to do, to, to know the truth so well that you can not only defend it, uh, teach it, you can defend it against error. And memorizing the scripture helps you do that. 12, it helps you pray extended portions of scripture. Uh, that's, that's my favorite way to pray, is to pray through passages of scripture. And I love it when I've internalized a passage and I can just be driving down the road and pray through a passage of scripture. It's, be, it's beautiful. Uh, Thirteen. This is a more a more worldly reason, but it's not so still so a good one. It strengthens your mind. So your brain is like a muscle, and and memorizing is to your brain what working out is to your body. It, it makes your mind stronger and healthier and sharper and more energetic. It really, is it's good for you. And fourteen. Finally, memorizing makes God's words more precious to you. You, you more deeply love them, you get more excited about them. As you spend hundreds of hours memorizing a book of the Bible, that book becomes sweeter to you. It helps you treasure that book. Okay. So those are some reasons I've come up with. Do any of you want to add reasons? Can you think of another one that you think I should put on that list? Other reasons to memorize scripture, especially large portions of scripture? Seeing nose. Anybody? There we go. Yeah. It encourages people around you. It encourages people around you. Good. Yes, sir? So it's it's a way of, of, of fellowshipping with God, communing with God, and saying I respect you and love you so much, I want to internalize your words. Yeah, good, good, anyone else? Okay, so that was all under the first excuse, I don't have time to memorize the Bible, so my pushback is you have as much time as everyone else, it's a matter of prioritizing your time, and I tried to give you some reasons that this is valuable. Are you guys convinced that this is worth doing? That's just not usually a hard sell. Uh, it, people who love the Lord, God's changed their hearts, they know this. It's like saying you need to pray more. Like, I know. I'm saying you need to memorize the Bible. It's so easy to say, I know. Okay, so now what? So I'm going I'm to try to encourage you and not leave you feeling battered, all right? So if you're feeling battered and, and humiliated and, and, you know, hang on. Hang on. I'm not going to leave you in that state. All right. Number two, second excuse. I don't feel like memorizing the Bible. I don't feel like it. You ever been there? I don't feel like doing it. Okay. So how do we respond to that excuse? Well, we often don't feel like doing what we're supposed to do, right? I've got four kids. Three of them are in school. And can you guess? Do you think they always feel like doing schoolwork? Do they always feel like doing household chores we have for them? No, so my wife Jenny and I try to train our kids to consistently do what they're supposed to do, what they're responsible to do. And that's, that's just good parenting. That's not that we're good parents, okay. I didn't mean to say it like that. That's, that's responsible parenting. Let's, let's change it to, to, to adults. Adults have responsibilities. If you have a job, you're supposed to be at your job at a certain time and fulfill your responsibilities. And many times you don't feel like getting up, you don't feel like going to do your work, but you do it. That's what that's what you're supposed to do. That's what responsible being a, a responsible employee is supposed to do. Uh, so I don't. Here's another example. I don't always feel like keeping a disciplined plan for strength training and eating healthy food. Uh, I started doing this like 18 months ago because I was chronically fatigued for 18 months after going to Myanmar to teach pastors. And this helped me come out of it. And I know it's good for me. My wife is happy. Uh, It's a win-win. But often I'll wake up and I would, I'd rather sleep than get up and work hard first thing uh, and sweat and toil, but I know it's good for me. And um, with God's help, I've been able to persist in keeping that schedule, and I think it's, a, I think it's worth doing. I think it's worth doing to, to, for the sake of having a higher energy level so I can serve others better. Okay, so basically what I'm trying to illustrate is this. It takes discipline to do what we don't always feel like doing, right? So a strategic way to approach those activities is to develop a healthy routine. That's a way that we fight for joy. So, uh, the, one of the, the men I serve with, John Piper, says this often, we, uh, God is most glorified in us when we, most, when we are most satisfied in him. Uh, or you could say it like this, we most glorify God when he most satisfies us. And activities like prayer and Bible reading and Bible memory are spiritual disciplines or, or means of grace. They're activities God has designed to satisfy us with himself. So if you think of it that way, it will help you to do it when you don't feel like it. If you if you know to the core of your being that, that reading the Bible and praying and memorizing the Bible and meeting with God's people, and uh, these, these are means of grace that God has designed for us to satisfy us with God himself. It's worth doing, and even if you don't feel like it, do it anyway, and you'll be glad you did. So that's just another motivation to internalize when you don't feel like doing it, Remember that. If you, by the way, if you need help uh, rethinking how you practice the means of grace, I'd recommend a book by David Mathis called Habits of Grace. and The, the subtitle is great. Enjoying Jesus through the spiritual disciplines. That's what it's about. Okay, so that was the second excuse. I don't feel like memorizing the Bible. Any any questions about that or, or pushback or testimonies? uh, uh At all, this in responding to that as excuse. I don't feel like memorizing the Bible. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just say God? Mm-hmm. This is like a mirror image. Hmm. if you want that piece on this side, you get it on this side first because it's not gonna happen. So there you go. If your kid says no, Daddy, no, mommy. Did you study this morning? <laughs> What's your name? Lynette. Lynette, thank you, Lynette. You seem like a spitfire. <laughs> it's there. hair. <laughs> Thank you. Other comments or thoughts on this? I don't feel like doing it. Yes, sir. Can you talk a little bit louder? Sorry. In our family, we've been talking a lot recently about, so, which comes first, fact or feeling? He said, which comes first, fact or feeling? Yeah. For, for some reason, this, these disciplines are easier to do when there's more accountability, like attending a church service on Sunday morning. If you don't feel like it and you don't do it, lots of other people might notice. But when it comes to something like prayer or Bible reading or me- Bible memory, if you don't feel like doing it and then don't do it, you're the only one who might know. So there, when it's so private like that, there's less pressure to do it. And if you wanted a godly pressure to do that, it might be worth teaming up with uh, family members or friends and, and having a healthy accountability structure for that. Okay, other comments or questions on this? Okay, I've got one more excuse for you. This is related to what Lynette was talking about. Number three, it's hard. It's hard for me to memorize the Bible. Okay, so let's say this is you. If, if you were talking to me privately, and you just said, I really wanna do this, but I don't, I don't think I can, it's hard. I would ask you this, um, do you know your birth date? Uh, do you know your phone number? Do you know your address, your home address? Do you know the names of the people in your family? Heck, I just go on and on. So you, you are able to, to remember some things, right? Yeah. So these are facts you've already memorized and maybe without even trying to. Like some of you in here have elaborate recipes memorized because you've, you've made them so many times and you just, you've locked it in. Uh, some of you have statistics in your mind about your favorite sports teams and players like you might have a favorite football team and you know where the third string running back went to high school. Like you just, you just know this stuff and you're not even trying to memorize it. You just love it and you just happen to retain that information. Um, you might remember biographical information about your favorite actors or musicians. You might remember jingles from commercials you've heard as a child. You could probably all do that one, because when you when you put something to song, you can remember it long, right? Uh, God has given you all an amazing mind, and your mind includes a capacity to memorize. Are any of you wanting to, to argue that point? Of this I, I think you could all agree you memorize at least some things, right? And of course, I'll make the exception for people who have mental disabilities, etc. So, I'm um, generally all right. So, your mind is like a muscle, and, and memorizing is is mental exercise. And the more you work at memorizing, the better you're going to get at it. And memorizing makes your mind stronger, healthier, sharper, more energetic. And of course, it's hard work. Memorizing the Bible is is hard work, but it's not that hard. Really, it's just something you can do. So, uh, what I'm going to do now is suggest 11. Steps to memorizing an entire book of the Bible. I'm going to basically tell you what I do. You can tweak it the way you'd like, but I'm going to, These are just. This is super practical. So this, I'm, I'm moving to very, very practical right now uh, on how to memorize scripture. There's a guy named Andy Davis. He's a pastor in North Carolina who wrote a little book called "An Approach to Extended Memorization of Scripture." So I'm basically adopting his perspective, but I'm tweaking it in a few ways. The main way is he recommends when he memorizes whole books of the Bible, and he's memorized like 40 books of the Bible. It's, he's amazing, including big ones like Matthew, which is like three hours. So he memorizes the chapter number and verse number for every, every bit. Like he'll say, you know, Ephesians 1, 1, and he'll say it, then 1, 2, and then he'll say it. And I recommend stripping out the chapter and verse numbers. I highly recommend, do not memorize those. Uh, if you can remember basically the chapter number, that's enough to locate it. The numbers aren't god breathed anyway, uh, so, I don't think we need to stress out about the numbers. So often you'll hear me, if, if you hear me teach, I'll say something like, it's around like Acts 9, 10, 11, 12-ish, like I, I don't really care, to, I don't feel the burden to remember the number, they're not God-breathed, I just want to be able to find it when I need it. Uh, so if you, the chapter number's enough. Anyway, so I'm recommending just memorize the words, that's the God-breathed part, don't freak out about, or stress out about remembering the references. Some of you are thinking, is this okay, I grew up having to remember the reference, like say the reference, say the verse, say the reference. It's not bad to say the reference. I'm just saying that's it's not God-breathed, and it's not that important. I'm looking at some of your faces, and I'm not sure what you're thinking. Uh, feel free to push back. All right, so here are 11 steps I followed uh, to memorize. So number one, make memorizing part of your daily routine. I guess I should just assume you... I should clarify. I'm assuming you have a daily routine. Uh, so... If you don't have a a daily routine, this this is going to be very hard. So I recommend uh, thinking through carefully what are the things I value most, what are the the big rocks in my schedule, and then where do they fit in my schedule, and then just placing them on your calendar, here's when I do these things. For me, uh, my favorite part to have a routine is the morning, like to wake up and just know know what's going on. I read scripture, I pray, I memorize. It's just all part of the routine. I don't think about it. I don't debate what am i going to do this morning. I just do it. It's, it's, it's ingrained. There, I forget, I read a study. Oh, I might have access to it here. A study that said it takes, yeah, on average, it takes about 66 days for a behavior to become automatic. So basically, that's just an average. But basically, you want to develop a routine so that you're not debating with yourself, do I do this or not do this today? You just do it. It's automatic, and so many of you already have automatic stuff to your routine, maybe for years. So I'm just suggesting work this in. So make it part of your daily routine. Number two, strip out all verse numbers. I mentioned that earlier. Strip out all verse numbers. Um, so when I when I memorize, I I use. Uh, a program called BibleArc.com, you don't need this. You can basically just go to a website that has the text, copy it, paste it into a Word doc, and then just delete all the verse numbers, that'd be fine. Uh, but some, some way, strip out the verse numbers. Uh, there, there are websites, by the way, like um, BibleGateway.com, where in the settings, you can just hit a button and all the verse numbers disappear, so that's nice. Uh, but it, it just, when you take out the verse numbers, it helps you think of the literature as literature, and not as pearls on a string that are disconnected, like bullet points. So the verse numbers I find to be distracting. Number three, this is what I recommend to people, you might not want to do this, phrase the passage, you know, and do it in Hebrew or Greek if you can, and mirror it as much as possible in English. I'm get to, Most of you probably don't know Greek, Greek and Hebrew in here, is that right, probably? Okay, so what I recommend is to take a, a translation like the ESV And when I say phrase it, oh, this is like a three-hour lecture. Let me give you the the basic, the very basics. So when I say phrasing, uh, uh, I put furthest left what is the main idea, and then I indent to show how it subordinates. Let me give you an example. Um, I drove to the store because I am hungry. So if I was phrasing that, I'd say I drove to the store and then the second line, I'd say, indented, because I was hungry, and I'd label the second line the reason for line one. Why did I go to the store? Here's the reason, because I was hungry. You follow me? So I'm just tracing the argument, and the way I do it, I've done this for whole books of the Bible, where I phrase the whole argument, and I label each line on how it relates to others, and I'm drawing arrows and color coding and doing boxes. It, it's a lot of fun. That, but it helps me to memorize, because when I do that, I get it. I just take that image and, and and press that image in here. So when I'm reciting, I'm thinking of that phrase diagram. I wrote I wrote a book called How to Understand and Apply the New Testament. There's a chapter in there on the phrase diagramming. I'd refer you there if you wanna wanna follow up on that. Okay, number four, mark up the text. So if you don't want to do it in your actual uh, Bible you normally use, you know, print it off on a piece of paper and mark up the paper. But you wanna you wanna mark up the text by uh, Noting words to emphasize when you say them, color-coding connections you're seeing, uh, all that. That's, you want to mark it up a lot. And number five, walk while you memorize. Walk while you memorize. I don't I, I don't know if there's a scientific study that proves this. This is just me and testimony and many others. Is there something about moving while you're memorizing that helps? Yeah, go ahead. I said, go ahead, Gr- green light. So, um, isn't that the same with like a, a beat or a tune of music? It's a beat and do the same thing. I've found that with my children learning and memorizing scripture, that if they had a song, like a tune, familiarized to, yeah. they'd have a lot of scripture. That way. Yeah, so what we do in our house, there's something called fighter verses. It's children's desiring God, or they just change their name to something else. But they have our church uses these fighter verses that John Piper picked out. And then we had, it's like a verse per week for five years. And some folks in our church put every one of them to music. And it's all free online. So you can just download them all. And my wife and my kids listen to those each morning. And my kids know so much scripture that way. Like the whole book of of Philippians, Matthew 5, 6, 7, on and on and on. When you put music to it, it really helps. Um, so yeah, with the walking thing though, it's probably similar do you, does anyone have like a degree in this and you could explain the what's happening? you do no okay yeah yeah you seeing smell or taste all those okay if you he said the more senses you can use uh, the the better your mind can remember it so yeah i read a book called Oh, what is it called, Moonwalking with Einstein? It's a book on how a, a guy became a world-class memory champion and, and what he did, and that's what he was talking about, where like, you can have a stack of cards and you have like 30 seconds to memorize the order, and they can do it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's having this picture representation of you see something, you associate it with something else. Yeah, I, I'm not an expert at all this. You know what, if, if this interests you, uh, Google, not Google, don't do it now, just write down, uh, write down uh, Joe Carter, and he did a five-part series for the Gospel Coalition called How Memorization Feeds Your Imagination. Joe Carter, Gospel Coalition, How Memorization Feeds Your Imagination. So he, he basically shows how using memorization to increase Bible knowledge and develop the sanct- sanctified imagination works, and that's what he, what you're talking about. So what I do, I live in Minnesota, so it's like half the year, if I go outside, I die within five minutes. So I, I walk on a treadmill normally when I do this. Or if the weather's nice enough, like it is here almost year-round, I'm kind of jealous, uh, you just walk outside. And there's something about just moving and walking outside that helps. It's, it's a rhythm to it. Okay, that's just practical. I'm st- if you know of a scientific study that backs that up more, let me know. Number six, select a passage to memorize for that day select a passage to memorize for that day. So what I do is usually one or two sentences a day. That seems about right. And by the way, do you hear me say sentences? I don't think in verses. Remember, I deleted the verse numbers. So I think verse numbers are horrible. They often occur in the middle of sentences. They break the wrong points. I want to think in terms of sentences. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll do more than, than one in a day. or Other times I'll do just one and then review uh, previous days. And not, Or sometimes I'll just review and not add new sentences. So just figure figure out what you're going to memorize that day. Seven, uh, this is what I do. Uh, recite the passage word perfect 10 times. So I'm adding one new sentence. Uh, my goal is to recite it word perfect 10 times. Word perfect. So I mean it word perfect. So if you don't get it exactly right, doesn't count as one of your 10. So I actually. It, sounds, it might sound weird to you, I record myself. So I use either my phone or my laptop, and I record myself, and then I listen to it while looking at the wording to make sure I get it exactly right, and then I've got a counter. All right, that was one. And I don't count a mistake as one of those 10 times. And this might sound cheesy, but it, it, it helps, it works. Uh, and it, it doesn't take that long. Number eight, review regularly. So I often will... Uh, When I'm working on a large portion of scripture, I'll record myself reading that whole section and then I'll have it on my phone and I'll listen to that recording uh, to catch mistakes I'm making. Uh, After I've memorized a book of the Bible, I'll typically wake up each day and listen to myself recite that book of the Bible first thing after waking up and I'll do that for like 100 days in a row just, just to make sure it's in there. So review regularly. Number nine, Record yourself reading the whole book of the Bible in chunks and then listen to those recordings repeatedly. That's part of the review, which I just mentioned. 10, study the book you are memorizing. So the better you understand what you're memorizing, the more deeply the words can take root in your heart. Uh, So read through some of the best commentaries on that book. If you have the opportunity to teach that book in small group or Sunday school or whatever, do that. Um, when you, you probably know this if you've taught before, when you teach something, you learn about three or six times more than the people taking the class, because you're having to prepare. Yeah, so it's really good to, te- to, to teach. It helps you. And then finally, number 11, seek opportunities to recite what you've memorized to other people. So as I'm learning a new book, often I'll come upstairs and I'll say, hey, Kara, she's my 10-year-old daughter, uh, here's my iPad. Uh, can you follow along while I recite uh, the first four chapters of Second Corinthians? And sometimes she'll groan like, oh, dad. (laughs) But they're usually good sports about it. Sometimes i will come to the kitchen table while they're having breakfast and say, all right, guys. They're all girls. All right, girls, uh, listen up. And I'll just practice on them. Uh, Sometimes I'll do it to my, my friends. But practicing it to other people really does help. And it can motivate them, too. So recite what you've memorized to other people. All right, so that's how I'd respond to the third excuse, it's hard for me to memorize the Bible. Questions about that one? Being hard? Or comments? Yes, ma'am? I, I can hardly hear you. With King James Version and then New King James Version, now I'm using ESV. And then many of the verses. Yes. Yes. She said that she started with the King James, the New King James, now ESV. And it's like, ah, oh, they're all a jumble. Says, I have the same thing. So I started off with the King James Version and then the NASB and uh, now ESV. I actually like the NIV a lot. And it's like, I memorized the, the Book of Romans in the King James Version as a kid. And then I tried to do it in the ESV and it was so hard. Uh, so my, my recommendation to you is pick a translation now the one that you think you're gonna use the most and just stick with that. Does this church use the ESV for its preaching and teaching ministry? Yes, we, however I teach to the church. So it's kind of like you want to things, Yeah, it's for yeah, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear ya. That's that's a challenge. Yes ma'am? With the, the versions, um because our our menu just does this thing things. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend the King James version to memorize at this point in the English language because it's archaic, and I'd want I'd want people to think of the Bible as written in their language for them, Uh, and and archaic English is just not normal English. So I don't want people to think of the Bible as like old and archaic. Like the Greek the Greek text of the Bible is written in what's called Koine Greek. It's just common Greek. It wasn't super special fancy uh, literary Greek. Is this normal conversational Greek for the most part? And I I think our our modern English translations should sound like modern English. Yeah, so I think it's harder to memorize Old English. You're right, there's educational value in it. Um, But if I wanted, like I've got a daughter who's, who's read through all of Shakespeare's works, but she memorizes the ESV. So she can pick up that stuff by reading Shakespeare I'd rather her think of the Bible as uh, written in in her language. I'm not questioning your decision. I'm just saying that's how I have thought through it. Yeah. Yeah. If your church uses it, that makes sense. So if I could choose in a vacuum, I'd choose NIV because I think it's the most optimal English translation available, especially for people who speak English as a second language and especially for children. Uh, but my church uh, uses the ESV, and I'm one of the pastors there. And because of that, that's what everyone memorizes, everyone preaches from, and teaches from. I just went ESV because that's my context, and I'm happy to do that. So I'm, I'm committed to memorizing that. Yeah. Okay. Yes, ma'am, in the very back. Oh, how did she said? How do you make sure this doesn't this does not mesh with your devotions? Um, well, I would push back and say, why would I n- want to not let it mess with my devotions? Okay. Oh, how do I fit it in? I see, okay, like mm-hmm. would this replace it, you mean? Yeah, so I start uh, by listening to scripture, not memorizing scripture, so that's devotional time. Um, so it doesn't have to replace your Bible reading. I really think taking in Scripture is important. Reading the whole Bible regularly is very important. So I wouldn't want to say, all right, I'm gonna memorize Scripture and not do that. So you're right, we don't want it to replace it. Um, I just would make it an additional component to it. But I'd also want to do it in a devotional way. So it could be part of devotional, your devotional time, memorizing Scripture, you can pray through what you're memorizing, you, you can think about it throughout the day, it is, it is a very devotional activity itself. That, I can't see your eyes, so I don't know what you're thinking. Is, is that fair? Yeah, okay. All right, so now let me end with some encouraging words. How can I start? And I'm gonna suggest four ways for you to start. Number one, start small. To something is better than nothing. I mean, even if you spend 60 seconds a day memorizing scripture, that's better than spending zero seconds. I was just talking to uh, one of your pastors. Who's the one, Zeke, who was working out at six o'clock? Paul, Paul. it was Paul. And Paul trained to run a marathon. A marathon, do you know how long that is? Uh, Can any of you run a marathon right now? A few of you, could you really? Wow, okay. Um, my guess is that uh, most of us could not. Some of us haven't ran in a long time. Let's say that's you, you haven't ran in years. Do you think that you could uh, walk a lap around the track, just a quarter mile? You could probably do that. And that's, that's better than nothing. And you could work, you know, I'm not trying to say work up to a marathon like that's, once you've done that, you've arrived. But if your goal was to run a marathon, you gotta start somewhere. And if your goal is to memorize scripture, you gotta start somewhere. And I'm not saying if you want to succeed here, all right, I'll check in with you next year and you can recite Romans to me. That's not the goal here. The goal is just that you internalize Scripture and and commune with God as you do it. So start small. It might mean you just spend 60 seconds a day on this, but do something. Number two, choose a feasible plan. Choose a feasible plan. I'm going to suggest three plans for you to consider choosing if you don't have a plan already. First, you can memorize passages that others have already collected. There's one by the Navigators called the Topical Memory System. Any of you familiar with that one? Have you worked through it? A little bit? The old ones, yeah. Yep. And there's one by, it's called Truth 78. They're called Fighter Verses. That's what my wife and children memorize with our church. Some of my friends actually, fellow elder and some others, Recorded the songs to go with all those to make them more memorable. So that's one way. A second plan to consider is to memorize a small book of the Bible, like Ephesians or Philippians or James. Just memorize a small book. Or memorize a small portion, like Psalms 1 and 2, or Matthew 5 through 7, or the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8. That's debatable, but it's pretty good. Uh, Or Revelation 21 or 22. Memorize a small portion of the Bible. Third, you can memorize a collection of passages that produce delights, comfort, and awe. Or a collection of passages that help you fight a particular sin, like anger or anxiety, bitterness, covetousness, impatience, joylessness, judgmentalism, laziness, lust, pride, worldliness, whatever. If If you're trying to kill a particular sin... Memorizing verses to help you do that, passages, is, is worth worth doing. So choose a feasible plan. Don't bite off more than you can chew. So remember, start small. Third exhortation is stick with it. Set aside a small block of time every day to memorize the Bible. And don't miss a day. See if you can do that for 100 straight days. Be consistent. Make this behavior become automatic. Just part of your routine every day. And finally... Fourth, memorize with someone else in your church. So team up with a friend or a group of friends in your church. Be accountable to each other as you memorize. Maybe it's a, a running partner, or as you run, you recite Scripture to each other. Uh, whatever, be creative, but find a way to have someone help you uh, be accountable to do this. So with God's help, you can consistently memorize the Bible, and it would encourage you to do that.